In 2016, voters in the state of Michigan played a decisive role in determining the outcome of the presidential election in the United States. Winning by the tiniest of margins, about 0.23%, Donald Trump's upset victory was a shock to the Democratic political establishment, who had long thought of Michigan as a part of the blue wall Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton could count on come election night, November 8th, 2016. Our episode today takes us back to the state of Michigan for a time, as William Lee, a choir teacher and musician, reflects on his time growing up in Shiawassee County, a conservative-leaning county that tilted substantively in Trump's favor on election night 2016. Although not planned, coronavirus-related quarantine did dictate that Will, who also happens to be my husband of nearly 10 years and partner of 12, also be my first guest. Despite, or perhaps because of our familiarity with one another, Will makes for a truly fascinating first official entry into what voting means to me. He tells us about his experience growing up as a Democrat in Owasso, Michigan, a former bedroom community for workers at the automobile factories in Flint. He speaks about his politically engaged grandparents and parents who grew up in nearby Montrose, Michigan, and talks about the evolution of his identity from a suave, blonde-haired, blue-eyed, all-American boy with dreams of becoming a politician or a lawyer to the humble, hard-working, talented musician and teacher he is today. We discuss his very first vote for John Kerry in 2004 and how he pushed forward and continued to vote and engage in politics even after experiencing the shock of his candidate's defeat. We even talk about what it means to engage in debate and discussion with folks who disagree with us, and what it means to establish and understand your convictions and beliefs as you age. And in the end, we get a picture of what democracy, and more precisely, what voting, means to William Lee. Welcome to this week's episode of What Voting Means to Me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, we don't really have a choice. <laughs> here we are. Here we are in our our sequestered cabin in the woods during a, a mostly required quarantine. We are taking it seriously. We, oh, well, yeah, yeah. As, as everyone should. Thank you for Indeed. being willing to have a conversation with me about voting and democracy i think there is probably no better time than right now to talk about what that all means um so i want to start from the beginning i would love if you could tell me about your first memory of democracy any um, way shape or form yeah, I the so the the first memory that I have participating I I voted in 2004 for John Kerry which is uh so weird to say out loud that that was like the first that was the first election that I voted in which so I was born in 84 which means I turned 18 in 2002 that summer and so for for whatever reason, I just didn't vote in an election until 2004 um, in the fall. And that was, I did it in person, even though I was a freshman in college. I didn't vote absentee because, you know, I was, I was at University of Michigan, which was about an hour and 15 minutes away from Owasso, where I grew up. 
And so I, I remember driving home. It must have been at the end of a class day. Um, it must have been because it was a Tuesday. And voting at the fire hall. And then I think I went back that night. Um, but I think at the time, Michigan still had straight ticket voting, too. So I'm pretty sure that I just vote, you know, just did Democrat and done. Um, and then f- maybe I voted for the judges because judges weren't partisan. And uh, and I know that because in Michigan, uh, they are nonpartisan and you have to every single one of them you have to make a decision on. Otherwise, uh, it doesn't invalidate the ballot as far as I know. I mean, granted, this was 16 years ago and, you know the laws have probably changed a ton but um the the real reason i know that if, if i may just interject really quickly you you can absolutely undervote if you're if there's someone you don't want to vote for in a ballot right. there's nothing about that that will invalidate your ballot you got so it. got yes. it thank you yes. <laughs> checking as we go i do know that because i a long-term girlfriend of mine her father was running for state Supreme Court in Michigan and actually lost the vote. It, it, is, it is now mostly proven. He lost the vote because most of his voters were um, unaware that you still had to vote for the judges. They knew that he was a Democrat. They knew he, he even went out uh, with Jennifer Granholm and was stumping with her. And so they they just assumed seeing him there with Jenny Granholm that he was just on the Democratic ticket. So they voted straight ticket, didn't turn it over, didn't even think about it. And then he lost. Um, Grew up in a family that was a bunch of teachers, but also many of them were just aware and politically active. And um, my my mom's father was on school board for years and my dad's father, my grandfather Lee was the mayor of that town. They lived in the same town. Of course they did. And, uh, and, and then my uncle, my, my dad's second youngest brother owned the newspaper and was, uh, for a time president of the, um, what's it called the business the uh chamber of commerce that's what it is and so if you wouldn't mind just giving us a a little bit of geographical context right so this is this this is mid-michigan uh i grew up in owasso but um montrose chesning these small towns that are in saginaw and shiawassee county basically right in between flint michigan and lansing michigan the lansing the capital um so the my family was pretty pretty aware and just active people um, my grandfather on my mom's side was a lifelong Republican. Um, I remember them making jokes about Jimmy Hoffa and the Teamsters. Oh, wow. He worked for GM and oh, wow. wasn't, he was a salaried employee, but wasn't a union employee, but they really supported unions when my parents became teachers. And, um, we were just always aware of all of the issues and all the candidates and everybody, that um that had power in michigan so growing up i i was a musician because my dad was a music teacher but i also was supremely interested in politics and you know i was a class president and then eventually school president i I was literally like the the president of the presidents which was the thing in my high school so i i can remember here's here's my first like true interest in politics. I think the first season of The West Wing was 1999-2000. And I I watched it. I watched it with my mom. And we we were supremely interested in it just because it was good TV. Um but I also just I don't know. I fancied myself somebody who could be a politician someday, so I I was interested. And and then through high school there were there was a summer, two summers I think, where I was one of those high school interns with the um house pro tem 
in the House of Representatives in Michigan, uh, Mr. Larry Julian, the Honorable. Um, he was a, whoa, he was a staunch Republican, let me tell you. He was former state trooper, I believe, and um, one of those guys who every congressional session brought up a bill to bring back the death penalty. I mean, that was that was him. But a super sweet guy and and really cared about politics and cared about the issues. Um, so, you know, I was just stuffing envelopes and I, I went around with, um, <laughs> I went around with, to like parades, like the local festivals, you know, the, the LC Dairy Festival. I remember like walking in a parade with a Julian t-shirt on. Um, and then when, I think this was the, the year that Dick DeVos ran for governor. Um, so yeah, Betsy DeVos's husband ran for governor and lost. Uh, and I actually went around with him and Larry cause they were stumping together and like did the walk around town, shake hands at the coffee shop kind of stuff. And I was, even at that time, I knew that I was de a Democrat. I, I a hundred percent did, you know, like I said, I, I voted for John Kerry and, but it was a, a job and it was my representative. It was for my district. So I, I cared about it. Yeah. So it sounds like if I'm understanding you correctly, that, um, you sort of, you, you tend to think a lot about the party that fits best with you when you actually go to vote that that's something that is like forefront on your mind yes yeah but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna 100 percent write off anything that is in my immediate vicinity you know like where we live right now in avon connecticut is represented by republicans uh at the state level at the state, at the level. state level exactly yeah. mm -hmm. um uh, republican at this at the local level so d does that mean that I'm just going to completely shut off everything locally and just ignore them? And, get, you know, I'm governments at the local level have to function. And so you have to be aware of what's going on and you have to it's it's a very community based thing. You've got to work together. Um, and my parents, who are now in their late 60s, are very I'm, I shouldn't speak for them because they're not here, but they're very liberal. We'll and <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But they um, they were very good friends with almost every representative in Owasso. I remember they sent me the obituary when uh, one of the representatives passed away recently who was an optometrist in the town and was an incredible guy. And just like they, they, they always are just loving and open people, even if you disagree, which... Yeah, I do disagree. I do. And I can still disagree. And I definitely will still vote. You know, so I voted. I think you voted. <laughs> You're laughing. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm I voted. teasing. I'm teasing. Oh, yeah, like, because of course you. I voted. <laughs> of course you voted. Um, even though we know that it is pretty deeply red here where we now live, we still voted. At the voted. local level, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah we still voted. Yeah. And, uh and that stuff does matter eventually in counts and in uh, future dollars that are thrown mm -hmm. at those campaigns, you know, by state and federal election uh, organizations. Yep. You know, if they think if if enough people vote, even if you lose, then they'll think, well, maybe it's competitive and we can. I think our Democratic candidate lost by under 100 votes. It was yeah. so yeah. narrow. So, you for, know, for if the they want to flip it um, the next time. Especially yeah, for the, this election. Uh, the state uh, House of Representatives position. So yeah. Yeah. Um, very, very, very close. Um, I'm wondering if I might circle back around to something you mentioned. Um, you know, you had mentioned coming from a, a very um, politically engaged family. Uh, you guys talked a lot about politics. It sounds like in a pretty productive and healthy way, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> And so, but but the the thing I, I do actually want to circle back around to is sort of this idea that you maybe thought one day you would become a politician. I'm I'm wondering if you could tell me about like how these first experiences with democracy um, before you were voting eligible, and then you know obviously you were able to vote when you were 18. Like how that shaped your 
those ideas about yourself and maybe this is also a good way to get into what I had meant to ask you to start, which is tell me about yourself. Yeah. What do you do? Yeah. Um, so how did you end up taking the, the path that you um, that you well, do today? I'm completely off of what I thought I was going to be when I was 17 years old. Uh, I am I'm a music teacher. I teach high school music. Um, it's great. I love my job. I seeing now in hindsight, this is exactly what I should have done all along. It was wonderful that in high school, I was able to do a lot of political things because I was just interested. And I thought, well, maybe I'll try this on as a part of my personality or as a part of what I might possibly be. Um, I did Harvard Model Congress and I was uh, on the Supreme Court and I loved con law. I did Boys State, which is run by the American Legions. And I ran for governor and lost at Michigan Boys State. But I got to be the chief of staff and made good friends with who the governor was. And I, I just had a lot of fun campaigning and doing a lot of stuff. And then um, I also did student government when I was in high school. I th I think starting when I was a freshman in high school, I was friends with lots of people. I was a really gregarious, outgoing kid. I went from being an awkward choir and band dork in middle school mm -hmm. to being kind of just a nice, suave, all-American looking boy. And at the time, <laughs> seriously, at the time... I've seen your haircuts. You were. <laughs> right. Uh, and at the time, I thought, maybe I could do this. Maybe I could just try on the politician vibe. And... And I did, and it it definitely wasn't for me in the sense that the the dirtiness of it mm -hmm. eventually, like the, I am very 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 conflict averse, mm -hmm. and you've got to be okay with conflict, yes. and to, and be okay with, like I was talking about the conflict of disagreeing and then also working together and. Um, I take things so seriously and I'm so earnest and wear my heart on my sleeve that doing it in any professional sense was just not going to happen. And then my senior year of high school, I realized I didn't have the sort of background in in high school to be able to go into that. I had done all these musical things, going to Interlochen and being in plays and taking band and choir for four years. And I was like an you know, an all-state musician and all this, all this stuff. So it's not all this stuff. It's all yeah. It helped. I mean, it got me into the <laughs> University of Michigan for music. Yeah. So, so I was like, okay, I got into U of M. That's where I should be. That's what I should do. And it, and from there, it it was a no-brainer. And I needed music in my life. I couldn't imagine having a career and a life that didn't have music as a part of it mm -hmm. I would I would truly be depressed the other part of it I think is when I was thinking about being a quote politician or or somebody who was involved in government there was a lot of privilege involved with that that I didn't know about I was in a all white I mean it was literally all white when mm -hmm. I attended Owasso High School um, an all white very uh, conservative very low income very working class high school. And so there were a lot of biases there towards men, towards white men, towards me saying... Oh, if I, if I make yeah. you mean in favor of... In, in favor, favor of, absolutely. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And and looking back now, I can pretty safely say that people probably just... Teachers and students, I'm not... I'm saying... And myself looked at me and went, oh, he is supposed to... Mm. be a, a class president or mm. and you know I wasn't a jock necessarily anyway I you know it doesn't seem that long ago but it's two decades ago wow you know I started high school in 99 the fall right after Columbine and yeah it's a long time ago now which means a lot hopefully has changed I haven't been back to Owasso High School in a long time um, and I, I definitely just tried it on because I thought, well, that, that's who I am, right? I'm the quote unquote class president. I'm yeah. 
the the relatively tall, blonde, blue-eyed uh, American boy. So why not? Um, yeah, that wasn't that wasn't for me. <laughs> so I'm I'm wondering, do you? It's just sort of like a little curiosity of mine. Do you have any memory of? your parents voting or like them taking you to polling places like did you ever go and like vote with your parents i don't remember ever going with them i know they voted and they always voted i i i remember them coming home with a sticker or with a stamp or something like that um and i always remember them talking about who they were going to vote for i Mm. always remember talking about elections they they were pretty withholding for the most part in that in that midwestern way of not of talking around the issues but not saying directly i'm gonna vote for uh, you know okay. like they were okay. so vehement okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you knowing my my father's side of the family really well they will talk about the issue at hand some local thing or some municipal issue mm-hmm. and uh complain and complain and complain and complain <laughs> without directly saying and that's why i'm voting for blah 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 blah. uh so they I, I mean it sounds like they were having the rich conversations even if they were being a bit waspy about it is that <laughs> they yeah, characterization? yeah yeah i always said that the safe three things to talk about in the lee family <laughs> Believe it or not, one of them was politics. The other mm-hmm. two were sports and the weather. Yep. You could always talk about those things, but not politics like the horse race. Politics like, um, can you believe that they limited leaf burning to only one day Local a month? Local politics. Yeah, why did they do that? Well, they And then they would just go off on it. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, can I believe that yeah. they did that? Yeah, you're, well, <laughs> you're, you're, your family, it sounds like, was really heavily involved in local politics and that's kind of aware but they like they wouldn't go and complain at uh at a local city council meeting huh okay my my uncle like i said dan would uh he ran the newspaper he owned the newspaper for the 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 tri-county citizen for years decades and you just have to be aware you have to know everything and everyone that's just your job. And with both of my grandparents living in Montrose and then eventually in Chesning and all of them being from that area going back like three generations, everybody knew everybody. And mm-hmm. so it, it wasn't so much like don't don't peg them as the kind of people who would go to a school board meeting and uh, complain okay. about the okay. lunch options. But they knew everything. Mm-hmm. They knew what was going on. Um, they were informed local voters. Yeah. They knew what they were doing when they went to the, <clears throat> the ballot box, it sounds like. And I assume also participated in all local elections as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. There was rarely a, a election day that my folks didn't come home and they had, they had voted. Yeah. Um, and... They believed in that. You know, my my grandfather, I mean, my mom's dad, when he was on the school board in Montrose, he was instrumental in getting the new high school built. And so his name is on that plaque in the front entryway oh, of the school right. board members, wow. yeah, yeah. Dwayne J. Schaller. Um, they, they cared about that stuff. They all did. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about it constantly. And... And and therefore, it just was sort of the thing that I thought you did in mm-hmm. life. When we moved here, one of the first things that I did was get a subscription to The Current, you know, mm-hmm. so that... Here being Connecticut. Yes, now, yeah. Avon yeah, 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 Avon and the Hartford Current, if I'm... And you can correct me if I'm wrong. No. The oldest continuously running in newspaper the, independent in the newspaper States. in the united yeah, states the harper exactly. current it's a great newspaper we not independent it. not independent owned owned by oh god they're in the the family with like the tribune i don't know who owns it now okay okay but anyway yeah it it definitely meant something to mm-hmm. be involved and to um to know what the what the hell is going on yeah yeah um when we moved here it was 
a little bit harder than Chicago to get ingrained in what's really going on. Chicago politics has a very distinctive flavor. It's very well, windy there. When we, in case you didn't know, when we <laughs> lived there, so I moved the summer of 2008. So Ugh. Chicago was exploding because Obama then got elected that fall. Um, there was so there was so much scrutiny on his Chicago ties. Um, there was the Rod Blagojevich crap that was going on, and it it was it was pretty easy. You couldn't you couldn't go a day walking around that city without hearing about some sort of Chicago politics thing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Rahm Emanuel ended up being our, our new mayor. Mm-hmm. Mayor until uh, we left. I mean, Lori yeah, Lightfoot yeah. was Lori the, Lightfoot the next, was yeah, just yeah. last year. Yeah. So your first experience voting was in 2004. Mm-hmm. And you drove back home to Owasso to cast your ballot in person. You were, of course, eligible to cast an absentee ballot, but chose to go back in person. Um, and you voted for John Kerry. Uh, and I, I, I think I, I probably should have started the podcast with a disclaimer. You and no guest is under any obligation to discuss for whom you vote. Um, it's information that you can offer freely. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not something you're under an obligation right. to discuss. Right. Um, but you did. So here we are. Um, voted for John Kerry. And I'm, I'm wondering what, I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit about what you were experiencing internally as the results came in that night and you, you know, maybe reflected on your vote. <sighs> now choice. I remember this very, very clearly. Um, I did go back that night. I that went back was, to the University of Michigan. I went back to U of M. I was living with two other, uh, with two roommates, uh, and I won't I won't name them right now. Um, they were African American. So 2004 was at you know middle of the two Bush terms. We were I don't want to say in a bubble, but it's University of Michigan. It's quite liberal. Very politically active campus, if oh I am God. understanding correctly. So, yeah. so politically active. Um, and it was very, very contentious, that election at U of M. And sitting there watching the returns come in, we were just floored that America would reelect George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. We were aghast. Mm-hmm. Um and I I learned a lot living with them, the perception of um, black men in America and mm-hmm. the way that they felt about, you know, not being seen and not being represented. And they just, they could not believe it. It was, it was sort of like this tiny and horrible preview to 2016. Mm. Um, because I think even at the time, George W. Bush was still polling higher than John Kerry. I think his favorables was, were still higher, even at that time. It certainly wasn't as close as the 2000 election, obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah. We just couldn't believe because we had all graduated precisely when the Iraq War started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so many of our classmates fought in that war. And it started, I think, April of 2003. We all graduated right then. Mm-hmm. And we thought it was horrible. It was horrible. It didn't reach the the horrible fever pitch really until 2006. Um, I remember sitting in the the top floor dormitory of Bursley Hall, <laughs> the the corner dorm room that we had, which we affectionately called the penthouse. <laughs> Which, if you know Bursley, like it was a lounge before we moved in there as a triple. They transformed it. To yeah, they a turned dorm. it into yeah. a dorm room, so it wasn't meant very to nice. House and then, students. and then also it was the top floor, and and Bursley was built on a hill, mm-hmm. so we were overlooking the music school. It mm-hmm. was really close to where the music school was, and so it was really high up, and you could see over the trees. And I can remember watching TV and then looking out over that, and it just being aghast um it didn't 
deter me, but it didn't make me feel good about democracy. That was going to be my next democracy. question. Like, so this is your first time voting. <laughs> and you experience an outcome that feels so so maybe not totally unmanageable unimaginable but still shocking and so what what is your thought process about engaging moving forward i actually dug in more in okay. my ideology believe yeah. it or not and and i think mm, i believe it a part of that was being at university of michigan mm -hmm. part of that was i'm at the music school i'm at the Music and art and dance school at U of M is the epicenter of mm -hmm. all things crazy and liberal, you know. And I also, well, I was also bolstered by the fact that the Bush administration did not get better in its second yeah, time they around. they had a rough second term, And I so in 2006, right, they lost the House. majorities in, yeah. And, and so I felt like, I was uh, vindicated, I mm, guess. Okay. We all, many of us did. Yeah. Um, and it's a horrible thing to be vindicated about. To say, look, the Iraq war was horrible. That's That doesn't make you feel good that you were no, right that it, it was a horrible thing. And I, I think this is a good point to emphasize that, um, and this is now I'm in a circle way back around to something you mentioned about ballot design, because um, this is a podcast about democracy. Mm. Um, I think it's important to that these conversations illuminate how much of our political outcomes are not determined purely by the preferences the pure preferences of the average american but by the institutions that sort of filter those preferences and in, in so many ways to solve you know collective action problem having to get 300 million well i guess not all 300 million americans are eligible to vote but to get you know millions of americans preferences organized in some way you obviously need an institutional setup but um the the thing about the straight ticket voting and it not applying to judges you know there are strategic considerations behind those kinds of decisions and why those kinds of decisions are made and you know the outcome of the election in 2000 and 2004 um you know in 2010 in I the think electoral college in michigan they it was a 2010 maybe it it was one of the midterms the the Republicans took control fully. It was 2010 of yeah. the House, and they took control of the Senate in 2014. But I'm talking in, in the state of Michigan. Oh, in the state of when Michigan, When Snyder yes. became governor. I believe that was also in 2010. I think so, and they I'm pretty sure they did away with straight ticket voting. Or yes. tried to, and, and you know, that was that was the, the right to work, and that was the, yeah, that was an administration that got rid of so many things that were holdovers from the strong labor presence in Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the pendulum swung back the other way, mm -hmm. uh, which eventually, because of all the cuts and because of the cuts and the cuts and the deep cuts and even more cuts, uh, you get something like the Flint water crisis because you have no oversight, you have no regulations, you have nothing, and then, yeah. Okay, so you've now voted 2004, 2008, 2012, 2016 presidential elections, midterm elections in between, when I could, local yeah, elections. Actually, yeah. um, I am wondering if you could sort of reflect with me for a moment about what, like, what does that act mean to you? You're, you're an active participant in the democratic system, uh, at least in terms of voting, um, is is there any sense of power that you derive from being able to use the pen or the electron, whatever machine you're using, that when you mark those names, when you check that party, what what does that mean to you as a citizen in it, a democracy? It means more the, the older I get, I realize how precious it is and how quickly you can lose it but i think it also means more to me when i realize how much it means to others who didn't have it or didn't mm -hmm. have the access to it and that comes with age also and that mm -hmm. comes with knowing more and more people who don't have access to it um and and i 
yeah, it, the just the older I get, the more important it is. And the more I prioritize it when it comes around. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to give you the example, when we lived in Chicago, it took a little while for me to change my driver's license and to therefore change my voter registration. I, I did drive home in 2008. And then, I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. yeah. And I... When else? And, and so at the moment that we moved here to Connecticut, I had to change my license. I had to do it. And I did it. Mm-hmm. And we moved in 2018 and in the summer of 2018 and by <laughs> November... I was voting in the midterms. You voted, if I'm remembering correctly, you voted in the primary elections for the 2018 midterms in August. Yeah. You did. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I was was really into it immediately. So it's become more for me. Uh, I should have appreciated it more, maybe. But I think there was also, again, privilege involved. I just sort of thought it's always going to be there for me. Mm. So I'm wondering... um, there's two questions I have percolating in my brain. One, do you feel as a younger voter that you were someone that campaigns and party organizations cared about, that they paid attention to, that they would reach out to? God, I don't think so. I I always felt like I had a chip on my shoulder when I was younger that campaigns never took young people seriously. Mm. I always felt that. Yeah. I think youth voting numbers are just a tiny bit getting better. So I can I can certainly remember being upset that campaigns didn't care more about young people, especially college students but also simultaneously being unbelievably pissed that more teenagers didn't vote because mm. they would have turned the election in 2000, in 2004, mm-hmm. into like every every single time they would have turned the election had mm-hmm. they voted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. They, yeah. There's the game. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think there was this chip on my shoulder. You should pay attention to us. We're important. If you paid attention to us, we'd vote. And the campaigns were probably saying, if you voted, we'd pay attention to you. It just. Which came first. The yeah. The just egg. the circuitous the classic, kind of. The classic um, issue. The other idea I wanted to come back to, you know, I asked you sort of this simple but not simple question. What does voting mean to you? You had said it's something that you could lose so easily or that it could be lost so easily like can you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by that well the older i get the more i learn about people who have limited resources to get to the okay the ballot uh to uh just the other day there was uh, somebody being interviewed on npr yes i'm an npr listener on um, dairy marbles <laughs> <laughs> and is that right they no. were <laughs> There were two researchers, one of whom is a ex-felon. Uh, they were polling prisoners. Mm. Now, prisoners in almost every state, ex-felons, lose the right to vote. Yeah. Correct? There's a ton of variation in terms of, yeah. do you, you know, I think it's Vermont, only in Vermont and Maine can um, people who are currently incarcerated, like currently incarcerated for a felony vote. There's a lot of variation, though. There was some fascinating data about the the preferences, the voting preferences in prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, the The point of it was, though, that so many people exist in this society, in the United States of America, so many millions of people that are affected by every single law and every single decision. Look at the quarantine that we're doing right now. Yeah. You're affected by that. Yeah. And you don't have the right to vote or 
you don't have the resources to get to a ballot or get a ballot or, or the information the information mm-hmm. or uh, just the the literal dollar amount to buy the documents or pay mm-hmm. for the documents that get you then the voter registration mm-hmm. on and on and on and the more i move on in my life the more i'm realizing it can go away so quickly mm. there's so many things that you got to do coming here to avon connecticut Connecticut's DMV is not the best. Sorry, Connecticut. Sorry, sorry. And the we hours that it took me. We were super kind and polite while we were there. We but were we nice to every person. A lot of hours there. there. They deserve it. Yes. But it took a long time. Like literally four or five hours, five times. Oh, because you have to have a special license. That That yes. is also a part. Yes. yes. Okay. So... Let me be clear. <laughs> I had to go there many times because I also, I drive the school bus for the school where I work additionally. So I had to have a special license and all of the documentation for that. But switching our license plates, uh, getting our our licenses switched over, um, it was it was an insane amount of work and time. Were I not a teacher on summer vacation who had the money, I, I even had a teacher friend who was fresh out of college who had to put hundreds of dollars on a credit card, a brand new credit card. This is a college-educated professional who has a job, has not been paid yet, and is putting hundreds and hundreds of dollars on a credit card just to get a driver's license. To get a, again, it's a, a special license, but... No. Oh. He didn't even have to. Oh, to He was transferring his his registration from and license one state yes. to the other. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so it's also again important to note that going to the DMV is not the only way you can register no. to vote. No. But Thank you. I appreciate that. But there of course are states that do require photo identifications. Right. Um and you know, there isn't a state that only like you can only have a driver's license. But the the point being is that the process of getting what in order what you need to get in order in order to be able to vote in order to prove that you are eligible can be very very onerous um and that's something that sounds like you've come into a greater realization of as as we quote grow up and have to be adults and <laughs> do the things that adults need to do and the things that take time um and it's also worth mentioning that neither of us you know we we don't have kids um right. we we are very privileged in so many ways in terms of the time that's afforded to us um and so one only has to think about you know the single parent working multiple jobs to make ends meet um you know who may not have time to go and do that to do all of those things and do you feel like the act of voting, you as an individual, has an impact? Do you feel like, oh, let me see if I can rephrase this. We live in a democracy. The primary means by which the people consent to be governed is through voting. Voting right. gives this system its legitimacy do you feel like you have a voice in that consent through the vote i do but i think a large percentage of that is being a middle class white man and i think i don't think a lot of people realize that your identity plays a large percentage of that how you feel mm. your vote carries weight mm-hmm. it it should be one person one vote mm-hmm. for the most part it is although we can talk about the electoral college waiting or electoral whatever college, but but uh, campaign but, finance redistricting gerrymandering right. yes but yeah i think just the way people perceive themselves as being as having a important voice has a lot to do with the identity and so i as I'm 
exploring my own voice, I, I shut up a lot. I, as you know, I post almost nothing anywhere. I'm not on any social media except for Facebook. I think I, um, I, I don't just shut up. I just seed. I seed to people whose opinion is more, it should carry more weight and, or should carry as much weight. I think is what you're maybe getting at. You're you have a PhD in political science. <laughs> Yours carries more weight than mine does. <laughs> um, so I, mm, I cede to that, I and I, I also cede to someone whose experience hasn't been heard well, that's, for the yeah, past that's, that's hundreds the and hundreds and hundreds at. of years. That it you don't you you've you've heard from me. You've heard from the person who looks and sounds like me. Yeah, we we've done that. Yeah. You know, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, we, yeah, we had a couple Nine hundred years of for... men, of white mm-hmm. men. What if we had a couple hundred years of women? Yeah. Hmm? What if we tried that for a couple yeah. hundred years? And, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm backing off in my own self legitimacy. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to still vote. And yes, I'm still going to be aware and, if somebody in conversation asks me how I feel about things, I'll offer if it's a, you know, a sincere and genuine kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to feel like my vote is important. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I also, I, I remember studying other nations' governments when I was in high school this is like the thing that I always invoke AP, that makes people roll their eyes. Wait, AP World History? Comparative AP politics. AP Comparative Politics. Yeah. Yes. And you, st- With <laughs> you study. Teacher, teacher name? Oh, should I? Yeah. On the, yeah. yeah. And shout out. Yeah, uh, shout James Babbity. James Babbity. Mr. Babbity. Jim Babbity, wherever yeah. you are. Uh, thank you. Because I remember this very, very clearly learning about the the different types of social action that you can take in a society. And in the United States, it's far more reactionary. We will, um, we will vote very little and then have a lot of, um, like, like I said, like showing up and complaining at a city council meeting. Um, A lot of, European nations, they identify with the parties because there's so many parties and mm-hmm. there's so many ideologies. It's split. And so they will be involved in the front end of those elections. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're getting into territory that is not my expertise. Well, I yeah. I an Americanist. And, and, and you can argue, you know, <laughs> Americans protest a lot, but Europeans protest a lot. But, they, you know, like as we saw with... Um, the Paris protests recently. Um, the yellow was that the yellow vest. Yeah, yeah, yeah yellow yeah, vest yeah. protests. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 different forms of feeling like you are involved in the process, and then feeling like you're not. So then you get in the process in a different way. I, again, I'm so conflict averse mm-hmm. that I very frequently won't get into those things we did we did participate in the women's march i'm gonna lump you in with that because i was there speak for you it's out there probably on social media somewhere <laughs> the irony so. of your husband speaking <laughs> for you about the women's march no um yeah we definitely participated after the the election of trump in a lot of things and and we still are we we're participating in elections right now yeah yeah i i feel like this is a good chance for me to um interject and offer the perspective um that i hope folks who are listening to this will take away which is i i am a liberal and i am a progressive as are you and i think it is more valuable for me to engage in conversation with people who think differently than me and have them experience what it's like to have someone who they know takes a different perspective from them sit down 
and be genuinely interested yeah. in why why they vote why they vote don't don't right. vote what democracy means to them and have no other agenda beyond that i i'm wondering one more question about your vote the act of voting who do you think about when you vote i think about not screwing up filling in the bubble or the arrow <laughs> no i'm serious no I no am, i'm i am a god-awful artist i have a terrible pen i have terrible hand for things no i'm i'm very very serious about this the uh the bubble and the the arrow i think in connecticut it's the connect the no, that's arrow how it is in illinois in connecticut it's a fill in the bubble thank you yeah either way I'm so paranoid in that moment. I'm thinking of nothing else but make it look perfect. Make it look perfect so the machine doesn't screw it up, so that the machine counts it. Make sure that it's per. Oh, God, I, I just colored outside of the line. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm truly that anxious about it. Okay. So, note for all of you ballot designers out there, <laughs> make... <laughs> voter-friendly ballots i say that sincerely but when you're making your choice when you are choosing um the who, who, do you think who about? am i who do i think about what do you think about Does, i don't i don't think about a person i okay. really don't i can't think of a time when i have thought about a do you person think about yourself this is going to be good for my own self-interest this is going to be good for uh. My family's self-interest. I'm ruining your last question here, but no, no you're not. I don't think I do. Okay. My watch is telling me to stand. Uh, I think which that's means as good of a sign as any that I you need think, to finish up. Well, thank you for taking. Thank you. Oh, I love you. I love you too. Thank you for taking the time during our <laughs> Sutman Lee quarantine. <laughs> Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, that's all we've got for today. Tune in next time when we hear from a minister in training about her own democracy journey and what voting means to her. I'd like to offer a sincere thanks to none other than William Lee for also being gracious enough to lend his musical expertise in the composition of the theme music for this podcast. So many thanks and kudos to William for such a lovely original composition. Take care, friends.